you would, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven? If that makes you uncomfortable, do it anyway. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for bringing us to this place here. We thank you that you've assembled your body and we're many members, one body. Holy Spirit, I need your help. And I ask that you lead us and guide us into all truth. You didn't say some truth, but all truth. And teach us your ways, Lord. And I ask again for words from heaven that change the earth. Words from heaven that change earth. I ask for, God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because you said without revelation we perish. So uh, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, you said in the last days there will be a famine, not for the word of the Lord, but for the hearing. So let the word be sown on good soil, producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. Give people ears to hear, eyes to see. Thank you for this place. Thank you for the angel of revelation that's here. Thank you for uh, the teaching grace that's in this room here today. Let miracles come. Let all the gifts of the Spirit be in operation and be glorified here today. And all God's people said, All right, some of you are Pentecostal too. That's what we did. Anyway, uh, what is your name here? The black, right there. One, two, three, four, four. Yep, you, right there. Yep, 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 that's you. Yep. What is your name? Nancy? Yeah, do you go to church here? Something like that? Yeah. I I just want to say that uh, this is a really good place. And there's about to be an explosion of some things. And I would encourage you to really figure out where you need to be. If this is not the place you need to be, then find the place that you need to be. But if this is a place you need to be, I would be here every time the doors are open. Don't be American and come every three weeks. Come here and really make a commitment. On August the 6th, I made a commitment. I didn't say sort of. I didn't say if it works out. I made a commitment. I hope she would have slapped me in the face if I said that. Like, do you take this woman? I hope so. So make a commitment. But uh, there is a, there's a healing that the Lord is doing for you. Nancy, right? Did you say Nancy? Yeah, yeah. There's a healing that the Lord is doing for you. And the Lord is, uh, I see Jesus with a hammer and he's breaking through the walls of restriction that have tried to stop you in the purpose of God. And the Lord did not intend the problems that you went through and the situations you've gone to, but he wants you to know he's near, he's close, and he's releasing a healing to your heart, and he's breaking the restriction. It's almost like, God, are you there? The Lord says, I'm right here in front of you, and I'm releasing a healing from pain, from abuse, from words spoken, and I'm unlocking you to move forward, and uh, almost like there's been this cry, Lord, I need to move ahead, and there's a freedom that God is unlocking for you to move ahead and advance in the purposes of the Lord. And the Lord is uh, healing somebody's right shoulder and lower back. Just be healed of that in Jesus' name. What's your name? There, the one, two, three, third row right there. Yes, you, sir. Yeah, what's your name? Jonathan. Do you have anything wrong with your body? Your hip? Yeah, what's wrong with your hip? Just, is he a pain in your hip? Yeah. Just stretch your hands, sirs and Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this man. 
Jonathan, the Lord says the gold is in your mouth in this season and that you will, uh, your words will define your future. And the Lord wants to give you 10 to 12 years of fruitfulness that you have not known in him. And there is a door opening for you into the beauty of the Lord, into encounter with the Lord, because there's a mandate on your life that God is going to hold you responsible before you transition from the earth. And it'll be up to you. You're actually at a critical crossroads in your life, in the purposes of God. And the words you speak will define your future. And Lord, I thank you for this man. And I just declare in the name of Jesus, Jesus, can I put my hand on your hip there? In Jesus' name, we just declare and we call into alignment this hip to come into the will of God in Jesus' name. And there's somebody in this section, the Lord is just healing of insomnia. So in the name of Jesus, just receive that. All right. I, want, I felt from the Lord uh, this morning to uh, share a few different uh, prophetic things that I've heard over the last number of years. One is in the spring of uh, 2020, we were actually on this Daniel Company prayer call, and I was in uh, my home office, and we were praying, and I've been amazed at, uh, I was amazed about how God began to move on a phone line. I wasn't quite sure about the whole phone line thing, and uh, we just felt to do it on a phone line to help uh, technologically challenge people, including myself. So we have people with flip phones on it, believe it or not. Sometimes you've got to mute them because they fall asleep. But uh, <laughs> it's true, it's human problems. But God would move powerfully. And I said, Lord, how, you're moving really powerfully on this phone line. And I'm getting, encountering you. He goes, yeah, there's no distance in the spirit. And it reminded me of this story I read uh, many years ago. Uh, a woman wrote Oral Roberts a letter and uh, she, she wrote him this letter. She said, Brother Roberts, I can't make it to your, tent, you know, your, your next crusade, but I'm going to believe that when you receive this letter and pray for me, that I'm going to receive my healing. And she says, because there is no distance in prayer. He was one of the first to bring uh, cameras into the tent to, to document what God is doing. So there's no distance in the spirit. So there one day, I think it was pretty early on in the call that day, we're praying, and an angel of the Lord is very clearly in my home office. I had not discerned an angel like this ever before, and um, he is like between my desk and the wall. I guess they can do that because they're not physical beings, but <laughs> it's so funny. And he is not looking at me. It's like he's looking through me. And Lord Jesus, the fear of the Lord like comes in to my office and I'm thinking, what? You, you, I'm thinking, you, you're not, you kind of ask questions in your mind in these encounters sometimes. I'm thinking, what is he doing? And the Lord speaks to me, says, he is looking at you and the body of Christ to see how you react in this moment. It's right in the middle of the shutdown. And then I saw him leave and he went all across American fire to inspect what the people of God were doing. And it reminded me of something else that the Lord spoke to me. I remember on the first weekend that the world shut down for the pandemic or pandemic, depending on your worldview. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, go to before the Lord, like, you know, because there's this weird sense in the world at that point, at least from my perspective, and, you know, you just pick things up. 
And I, said, and I just went before the Lord. And I remember one of the things that he spoke to me. He said, this does not change my plans for the earth. And I began to really lean into uh, the words the Lord had given me personally and corporately for our ministry over that season because revelation is always your key for navigating life. That's why God tells you without revelation you perish. He also tells us in Hosea 4 verse 6 that his people are not destroyed because of the devil. (laughs) The devil can't destroy you. A lack of knowledge. And again, there, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of revelation knowledge. And then John 16 tells us, the spirit of truth will come. And one of the characteristics of the spirit of truth is he will tell you things to come. And he tells you things to come, so you define your world by what he has spoken, not by the experience the enemy is trying to give you. And so... He spoke that to me, and then in uh, August the 12th, 2021, he just gave me this simple word, and he said, we're in a defining moment. And I didn't know that there's actually a a dictionary definition of defining moment. One of the keys of walking with the Lord and growing in the things that he speaks to you is that God will often kind of just throw things out there in a sense, I mean, he'll just throw these statements out there and it'll be up to your personal hunger to have understanding to, to actually begin to grow in the truth he's just revealed to you. God, when he speaks to you, speaks to you by revelation, not to understand through your intellect. Now, there's nothing wrong with your intellect. He gave you your intellect. There's certain things you don't need to pray about. And that's why your intellect comes in. But your intellect just needs to be renewed to truth. But there's a problem, and that is that when you are consistently led by your intellect, you are what we call an American Christian. (laughs) But a defining moment is this. So I looked up the word. A point at which, and words mean stuff. I know that's, that's why one of the attacks in culture that is so prevalent, it's always been there, but is extremely prevalent, is to lose the meaning of word, what words mean. Defining moment, the point at which the essential nature of a character of a person or a group is revealed. That word caught my attention, the essential nature or the essential nature or character of a person, of a person is revealed. And uh, we, in this season, are in a defining moment. And I believe that we are in one of the greatest times to be alive. I don't say that because I need something to say or I need exciting things or, or to give people hope. But we are actually in one of the greatest moments to be alive. And you should agree with that because God chose you to be on the earth for this time. Here's another part of that. This is the shortest part of your existence. This is the shortest part of your existence. And God will judge our lives according to what he has called us to do, not what we're doing. Say that again. God will judge your life, not by what you're doing, but for what he called you to do. 
because the resources he has given the people of God right now are unlimited in even what he made available to the early church. The reason God is justified in uh, judging you, not for what you are doing, but for what he called you to do, is because he has fully resourced you to become everything he purposed for you to be in this season in history. I think one of the worst things that could ever happen to anyone's life is to be quote-unquote successful at something God never called them to do. So when he said essential, in defining moments, and you see in scripture, there are defining moments. It is, it is very possible for God to have a reality available for a certain generation of people and then not fully inherit it. See, many times we, even as believers, we, we create or we make statements that sound spiritual or even sound biblical, but they actually identify our lack of taking responsibility for the responsibility that God gave us. Well, God's in control <laughs> and God just knows, you know, all these things. Yeah, God knows. God knows he made you responsible for the world right now. Gets quiet with that one. You don't like that one. And so God will judge a generation for the resources he made available to them. And God is not responsible to a generation that doesn't align with him in that season. We see this. You can see many defining moments in scripture, but one particularly, and maybe we'll look at it more tonight, but we'll just mention it right now. Numbers, the 13th chapter. What is the will of God? The will of God is for them to go into the promised land. Right now, as we say in the South. He didn't say tomorrow. Go in. It's time to go in. It's very interesting, too, that Simply being a covenant person doesn't mean you had faith in the covenant. So he allows them to go in and scout it out, knowing full well that they will see the challenges that they see with their own natural eyes. What do they do? They come back, come back to Moses. And what's very interesting is they actually report what God said was true. It's actually true. It's a land flow with milk and honey. It's beautiful. It's nice. It's all these beautiful things. And they go, but, but, we got to get our butts out of the way many times. <laughs> but there's giants there. But there's these other two guys, Caleb and Joshua, goes, we're well able. Notice Caleb and Joshua are not talking about the giants. Now, the beautiful thing about God is he will not throw you away, yet he will have to relate to you in a manner that he never intended to relate to you in that season. So what does he do? They start complaining. There's a little, little discussion. First, God goes, I want to kill them. You know? <laughs> he does. Read it. Number 16 and 17. The Bible is a fascinating book. If you are bored reading the Bible, you probably haven't read it. So first he goes, God goes, no, you can't kill him. Remember your word and, you know. So, so then he goes, but, but because there are giants in the land. Notice they received what they believed in that season. He agreed with their belief system. 
That's why your approach to God defines what you receive from God. Say that again. Your approach to God defines what you receive from God. So God can be in an environment, and if you have a mindset that prevents you from receiving what he's made available in that room, you might not receive it. I've seen it many times. You know, you're in a room, God's moving powerfully, and you're like, there, there might be a word of knowledge, somebody with cancer, and the, and the person with cancer stays right back there. But they said, come on forward if you want healing. So in their mind, they go, well, God knows where I am. And then they make their case against God. Well, I've been prayed for 25 times, and, you know, they put oil on me. We'll get prayed for 27 times. So God didn't throw that person away. He still loves them. But he will relate to them from the deficit they have in their own thinking. So he does. He goes, but okay, so since there are too many giants in the land, this is what we'll do. We'll just go in the wilderness. So a key part of walking with the Lord in defining moments is to realize that before God changes the environment around you or to inherit the environment God wants to give you, he'll have to change you first. They catch it. You catch it. Remember, got to change the inside first. So he doesn't throw them away. He's very gracious. And there are words and there are things that God says that do have expiration dates. Notice covenant people. Also notice who you listen to right now is really, really important. Because the voices you listen to are going to be what you really embrace with your heart. So if you're listening to certain things in this season that aren't fully from the heart of the Lord, more than you're listening to the word of God, then your perception will probably be a little off kilter. Two guys, what do they do? 40 years later, they're going in. And then they come back, they're like, okay, we're going to go. And it goes, too late. And they go in and they die. A lot of charismatics would have blamed God. He told us to go. No, he told you to go now. Notice what happened, though, 40 years later. It's fascinating. First of all, we know Joshua, notice, they inherited something. This is really important. Listen to me, Linda. Other believers are not your standard. Well, like, you know, this person's not doing it. You know, they don't think it's God. You know, they're just going to stay here. And, you know. and they died. But these guys go in. I love what Caleb says. To I'm, I'm as strong as I was 40 years ago. And he noticed his heart too. It wasn't just about what he was going to get. He goes, this is mine and my family's land. But when, but when they, Joshua 1, you read that story, that, that's where it gets really interesting because the, 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 the Rahab tells them, he goes, oh, we heard about you guys for 40 years ago and we were wondering when you were going to come in. They were already defeated. God has victories for us corporately and individually, but you'll have to trust him to see those mountains fall. There is a co-laboring that you do with the Lord. What's the point? They were already defeated before they even got there. They just had to trust God and actually take the practical action. 
So that's what a defining moment is. It is part of a defining moment is the ability to receive the resources that God has made available for a generation and to begin to apply it. And the essential nature, I was thinking about that essential nature because one of the things that never, never changes is uh, living your life from the correct foundation, foundations, basis, or groundwork of anything. And I want to look, at least for the next hour or so, at... Um, <laughs> <laughs> at just some foundational things that are really important. And here, here's some just really important things is that how many are in Christ this morning? How many are in Christ? You can, you can lift up your hand. This is okay. You can interact. How many are not going to raise your hand no matter what? But uh, anyway, uh, if you're in Christ, everyone's a disciple. One of the root words of discipled is a disciplined person. To fully inherit what God has for you, you must be able to develop disciplines. A disciplined life will never fully receive what God has for him in the earth. And fundamentals is the essential part of a foundation or basis. Having grown up outside New York City, I was always very fascinated. I still fascinated with buildings, particularly stadiums and how they build these things. But uh, they would say, we have begun a building. And my friend, who's an architect, uh, architect, a pastor up in uh, Boston area, I, I always ask him, I ask him tons of questions about being an architect and building buildings and stuff, so I'm very fascinated by it. But, and he told me, he said, no architect worth, I would never hire an architect that didn't know where everything is going to go before that they even started building that building. God's the greatest architect. And God declares the end from the beginning. So what do they usually do? They put a picture of what that building is going to look like. Before it's built. And then, and then I would see them. They're going to they're build a foundation. Let's build a foundation. I remember my friend years ago. He's like, you got to come up and see. He was in Connecticut. He's got a beautiful building now. He's like, we started building our new building. <laughs> it's a big hole. What are they doing? They're building the foundation. And it would take forever. You just drive by for a year, year and a half. And they're in this hole. But once they finish that foundation... The rest of that building would go up. I've asked builders since then, and, and both years apart, they both told me, I don't even mess with foundations anymore because if the foundation is not good, I just start again, got to build that foundation again. So in defining moments, what will often determine the trajectory by which you can track with the Lord is if you have fundamentals and foundations built in your life. Say that again. That's not very popular, but we'll just say it again. In defining moments, which we are in right now, how you have built your foundation and how you have practiced the fundamentals will often define the trajectory by which you will be able to track with the Lord fully. Doesn't mean he's, he, he, he dismisses you. Doesn't mean that he throws you away if you can't fully track with him. It just means you might not fully fulfill everything he had for you on the earth. I got one amen. So I want to look at some scripture here to, to serve as a foundation here. And uh, you have your Bibles this morning. Hope you do. Our Bibles, iPads, iPhones. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we'll start here. All scripture, all scripture, 
all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then I'm going to read here out of Matthew 13, because it will serve as a foundation for uh, some things that we'll focus on here in the next few minutes. God builds a foundation of our understanding for him in the old. God does not reestablish something in the New Testament. He simply builds on the revelation that is expressed of himself in the book of Genesis. Malachi 3 verse 6. I'm God and I don't change. So that's why I'm reading that. All scripture. And then Jesus says this. One of the most quoted books by Jesus in his ministry in the gospel of Matthew is the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. God is not this mean God in the old and suddenly becomes kind in the new. He was kind in the old and he became kinder in the new. So this is what Jesus said, speaking about the teaching of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 52, he said to him, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple, disciple, that's what, that's what you is if you is in Christ. A disciple in the kingdom is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And then later he'll teach this concept again when he talks about new wine and old wine. They came to Jesus one day. He's like, how come, how come your disciples are not fasting? It's not a teaching against fasting. It is a teaching against not the, the, the inability to discern what God is doing in a moment. 